can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Ladies, hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, the star namesake. That's Victor Davis Hanson. He is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College, where he is about to head off to for a week or so. That great institution. Victor has a website, The Blade of Perseus. Its web address is victorhanson.com. I'll tell you a little more about that later in this podcast, Victor. Some interesting things to talk about, and one would seem mundane, ceiling fans. But guess what? Like everything else in your home, it's something that the Biden administration wants to regulate, and it bespeaks a larger theology of uh, green. And we'll get your thoughts on that plus another a bunch of other interesting topics. And uh, one of them is about, I shouldn't call it interesting, troubling. It's gold star families. I rate still about how Joe Biden has treated the families of the 13 men and women who were killed in Afghanistan and a botched uh, pullout, uh, their fury with, the, with President Biden himself and the administration. We'll get your thoughts on these matters, Victor, right after these initial important messages. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing carvana's inventory while you soak it all in oh burger time so sit back get comfortable carvana's got thousands of cars under twenty thousand dollars just waiting for you i could stay here forever carvana where car buying meets comfort meets convenience 
Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, here's a headline. Uh, this is from, what am I looking at? Fox News, Biden administration's latest home appliance crackdown, ceiling fans that now the target in the Biden administration's green agenda, the Department of Energy, I'm reading from an article here, uh, is proposing a rule that re- would require ceiling fans to be more energy efficient, arguing the move would save U.S. households on energy costs. How much, Victor? Well, they calculate $39 over the lifespan of the new, quote unquote, energy efficient fan. However, the cost to manufacturers associated with the increased equipment will total $86.6 million per year. That has consequences, Victor, quoting now um, from from the uh, Republican members of Congress wrote a letter to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and said, quote, this rule would require numerous small business fan manufacturers to redesign their products and may put between 10 and 30% of small business ceiling fan manufacturers out of business. Who cares about them anyway, Victor, right? There is a God to worship. Also, and even raise this, Victor, we just discussed this before coming online. Speaking of fans, the big ones, the big windmills, first cousins or the big brothers of ceiling fans, the Cuisinarts of the sky that chop up uh, bald eagles and all other protected species. Also, there's a piece by Michael Schellenberger in the, the New York Post that's out today, uh, August 27th, about the, the um, wind, wind farms in water and how they seem to be having a, a deleterious effect, deadly effect on whales. A lot of whales are now beaching themselves. Whales were the things we were supposed to save. Bald eagles were the things we were supposed to. You can even have a bald eagle feather, Victor, victim. Victor, <laughs> and oh uh, yeah, that's these a good, things that's are a good point. Remember, we had some illegal aliens that killed bald eagles, and then we were confronted with an intersectionality existential crisis. Every once in a while, Jack, have you seen these charts that people draw, just kind of mocking the whole left? But they they have a hierarchy of whether you're gay, green, black, brown, right. trans, um, feminist how many points you get and then who, which one cross it's kind of like remember in civics class they had the congress the supreme court the executive branch with all the checks and balances that you could check each other what well, was like which one can check the other one or, or hop leapfrog over the one on the intersectionality chart i don't know the answer to that uh i think trans now i think if you're a trans polluter it's okay yeah. Whereas um, it's 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 gone above green. But I do think that green is above gayness, race and um, and almost anything else, because uh, remember the two illegal aliens killed bald eagles and they they were they didn't do anything to them. But so maybe illegal aliens are up. I guess it's trans illegal aliens and then green and then maybe. I don't know, black and then gay and then Latino and then Asian and then white and then unmarried. And I don't know. But 
Yeah. There's an intersectionality chart that gives you points. And if you're green, trans, black, and atheist, you're up there way high. Right. But in this case, uh, you know, I, I've been telling people as I'm speaking today, I have two guys that are still finishing this year long um, rewiring of my 150 year old Victorian two story old farmhouse. And I mean, there was like 45 circuits they took out. They were all it was just a mess. And then they're doing the final piece of resistance where they're doing the circuit breaker sub panel junction box connection to the outdoor to the outside line that's a huge job but anyway my, my point is that uh i'm starting to le learn i i kind of was a really dangerous person with electricity in other words when i was farming i knew enough to wire stuff but also enough to get in trouble so with electricity you should either know what you're doing or know nothing Right. But I, I knew just enough to what because they were finding some of the circuits I made that and they're giving me lectures about how dangerous they were. But anyway, I know something about amps. So a ceiling fan and I uh, we were just wiring them um, about three months ago. A ceiling fan uses less than a half an amp. And so when you're talking about that. Uh, I'll just give you an example. I just we just did I just did yesterday the hot water heater. It was on a 12 gauge 12 2 wire and that was wrong. It should have been on a 10 2, but it was ancient wire. So we put it on 10 2 and we wanted to see how many amps shut it down. And after two days, the water was cold. So when you turned it on, every the, the thermostat went on the little echo modulator heat pump didn't. And so it was pulling a lot of amps, 22 amps. So what I'm getting at is, and then, you know, I have a mini split in this uh, office where, and that's about 18 to 20 amps. So what I'm getting at, Jack, is the average person with a little mini split, 18, 12,000 or 1,800, 18,000 BTUs, or somebody with a hot water hire, in this case, it's a 50 gallon, they're pulling 40 ceiling fans. Do you really believe that to take that little four amp draw from a ceiling fan and go down to what 2.2 amps you're going to save anything i mean you can run in my house if i had 40 ceiling fans it would not take as much electricity as a little water the water heater it's ridiculous why would you you're not the the what they're going to do is they're either going to make them so expensive or as they all do, they they're less fit, they're less mechanically reliable. I had two uh, pumps for my pull that were thirty years old, and when they were out, when they finally broke down after eighteen years, they they the code said they had to put on these electricity efficient ones, and they've I've been through three of them since Jack three. They last about three years and they burn out. So my point is that what they're going to do is they're going to force people uh, to use. They're going to say, well, if you have these ceiling fans, they're expensive. The new ones, they're not 100 bucks anymore. They're 300 probably. And they're not reliable. They'll break down. And I'm just going to use my air conditioner. So they're going to they're drive people away from what is a very efficient, cheap way of doing it. And when you look at all the other things they're doing, you, as far as energy efficiency, you ask us why they're doing it. And the answer is that they have an agenda to destroy 
affordable electricity generation. So here in California, we're blowing up, as I speak, four dams on the Klamath River. And PG&E was told by the state and the, the Department of Energy, federal, it's a three, it's a uh, state and federal dis destruction. I think I've mentioned it, that some of the money, Jack, from the state of the $500 million to blow up the four dams that have been there since the 20s, it came from a water bond to build dams. They just diverted wow. the use. But this was what was I'm getting at. 80,000 homes depend on cheap hydroelectric and they're going to have to replace. You know what they said? Oh, it's just 80,000 homes. Don't worry. There's 40 million people in California. So in other words, when they want to destroy something, then they deprecate the energy uh, consequences when they go off on some unicorn chase after ceiling fans and all of a sudden that 0. 0.4 or 0. 0.5 amps to 0. 0.2 amps is a, is incredibly important. It's just mind-boggling what they do. They like to destroy. I don't they, think no, they're nihilists. Not, they like to yeah. destroy civilization. They yeah. despise their grandparents or great-grandparents. They have no idea what those people suffered. I can remember when I was a little kid 1963, my grandfather brought for the first time a little tiny, it couldn't have been over 3 or 4,000 BTU window air conditioner. It, you turned it on and it sounded like, I don't know, an explosion. It was so loud. And I know it gulped electricity, but everybody would huddle around it in the daytime when we came in from work. It was just like heaven compared to a swamp cooler that we had. You know, I, we didn't have to go up in the roof and change the pads. The water pumps didn't break. It didn't leak. It was just wonderful. And But yeah. they don't understand what it was, those incremental advances in civilization. They're, they're taking us back. And so they destroy things. And the, the, the nexus of all this, the reason that ties all of these crazy agendas together is they will not build dams for hydroelectric anymore. They're destroying them. They will not build nuclear plants, which would give us cheap, clean energy. And they will not allow cheap natural gas, clean burning. It's got to be solar and wind, and they have no way to create energy at night. Uh, there's just not a way to do it. And in cold weather, we saw what happened in Texas. Right. And as long as you say solar or wind, you can murder anything you want. You can murder bald eagles. You can uh, peregrine falcons, any rare species that gets caught and sucked into those things. It's okay. Or any uh, turtle migratory, tortoise migratory path in the desert that's disrupted. Okay. So in the case of the whales, you put all these things uh, along the shore or out in the ocean, it disrupts the sonar. I guess that's a term we would use, high-frequency right. sound right. Uh, of these whales and makes them go crazy or bump into things or lose their kids or whatever. They can't, their female male can't follow each other. That The baby whales get disorientated. They can't find the mother or they they introduce, I guess, all new traffic to areas that, Nobody, there weren't boats because they have to go out there and build them and service them. And and so you're out disturbing a pristine ocean. But that's OK because it's so-called green. And notice where Joe Biden was today. It's, it's doing all this. He's He was at the ARC 
archetypal green person, Tom Steyer. He was on the board of trustees of Stanford University. We remember he ran for president in 2016, the billionaire who made his fortune. Remember, Jack, and yeah. Indonesian coal burning plants uh, when he was young and then his penance for his uh, mortal sins of fossil fuel uh promulgation, he decided he was a radical green. So he's got a huge mansion. Now, think of that. He's got a mansion in the Bay Area. He's got other mansions. But Joe Biden is there. So Joe Biden has three homes and they're all huge or like 4,000, 5,000 square feet. He's running one in Virginia. He's got one in Wilmington. He's got one on the beach. And this Steyer character's got a huge one. And that's where Joe Biden is right now in Tahoe. In, in uh, Tahoe, right. Yeah. Yes. And nobody ever says, do you really need a mansion with all the energy and space when people are homeless and they can't afford something and you're a man of the left? And think of all, I mean, I, I have an old farmhouse and we have 40 circuits. I bet you the panel on that mansion is a 6,000 amp panel. Uh, that's just crazy. It's like Al Gore. And um, why is why, credits though? Yeah, so yeah. Okay, why, right? why is Joe Biden doing all these things? And he's at a mansion that's not even necessary. Right. And when we had fires here in California at the Aspen, they just said the, the Forest Service was delighted that they burned down these forest cabins that had leases from the government. Half the people couldn't afford to rebuild. They were happy. And then they hit them with a $50,000 bill to restore, you know, break up the slab, restore the house site to its 19th century condition uh, equals 50 grand. So they do all these things to the average person. We're getting back to Oliver Anthony again and what he was trying to say about the Richmond north of Richmond. This this whole class just starts dictating to people and they're totally exempt from the consequences of their own ideology. And they're like John Kerry with his yacht or Al Gore with his huge home. They, they just feel that they're blessed. They're apparat, part of the apparat. And it's disgusting. And so when you don't create affordable electricity, and you can't or you won't because you refuse to do hydro or natural gas or clean burning coal or nuclear, then you have to go around and alter the lifestyles of everybody and look at every mm -hmm. single cons consumption of electricity possible. And you end up zeroing in on 0.5 amp ceiling fans to get it down right. to 0.2. So right. it's just blank, blank, ridiculous. I mean, what's left? You know, toasters and but the, I, oh, I, would you be surprised if there was some Biden administration more on? We, toasters we know what's and not water left. picks. We, and, we know what is. Uh, we know that is that's off the list. Gulfstream fours are off the list. Yeah. Citation right. citations are off the list. Third third homes are off the list. Homes over four thousand square feet are off the list. Certain types of cars, such as black SUV, Lincoln Navigator, fifteen mile a gallon limos, are off the list. We know that. So. And what are they going? They're going to go after an Oliver Anthony's ceiling fan in his $750 uh, eBay or Craigslist trailer that he bought used. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, if they cared about the environment, Victor, and you know this, and I know our listeners know this, you just take one windmill and the cost of producing it, the mining that has to be, you know. What do you do with the blades? The wear out. What do you do? How do you recycle the blades? I mean, it is a negative. It's a it's a it's a negative it's just uh, it's all it psychological it's, it's all psychological it's just so much like medieval penance it's and you know as a catholic you know that how it, and exemptions and penance and contractual agreements where if you were an ursurer and you were sinning against the laws of god and man and yet you have to write a contract out right and and you pay penance or you have an exemption or some type of formal contraction. Maybe you'll buy one block for St. Peter's and then <laughs> you, can, you can engage in nursery. Well, that's what these people do. And they do. I mean, they have the carbon offsets where you want uh, a big hot tub at the end of your huge Olympic sized pool in Beverly Hills. And then you sign up to what plant some trees in the Amazon, supposedly. And what Tom Steyer is doing and what Joe Biden is doing they're saying to us, I want a big mansion that's a energy gobbling house that's May 3rd or 4th, no doubt. And Joe Biden said, I got to have three homes, but we have to pay for this. So we're finding we're signing a formal contract with the bishops of the Green Movement. And we mm-hmm. promised to go after Oliver Anthony and his trailer house, his ceiling fan. And if we do that, then we get exempt and we can indulge these other things, these indulgences. And that's what they do. Well, Victor, I'm happy that we don't buy indulgences anymore or pay for them. Jack, I'll Jack, mention, I'll, I'll mention the, the R word and we'll, I hope we'll still Go be ahead. friends. And the yeah. R word was reformation. Yeah, I've heard of it. As, as a reaction. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to say the C word, the counter reformation. Reformation. I, yeah. Anyway, well, we, I mean, we, we may need a counter counter reformation just within the church because to, to, to wrap this up on things, climate, our current pope uh, has nuts. has placed an em- <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he has placed a uh, an emphasis of the church on this climate insanity to the extent of to the to the uh, yeah, exclusion of those mortal moral matters that we uh, you know, as sinners what, need to be thinking about. And I was very on. happy um, of my institution, the Hoover Institution. We'd have appointed Stephen Coonan, you know, who wrote that book. He was worked for the Department of Energy under the Obama administration. I think he oh, was he's pro- terrific. Yeah. yeah, he was provost at Caltech. He's not a man of the right. He's either no. independent or was a man of the left or is the man of the left, but he's empirical. Right. And so he wrote this book. And I, I read that when we were appointed him and we were considering him, I read everything about him. I read the book and it was amazing how desperate people were to prove him wrong. It was some of the arguments they were used were just absurd. And, you know, it, it, it's just. It's just amazing that they considered him a religious heretic. And then when you you when you meet him and I've heard him speak and I've talked to him a little bit, he's in meetings. He's one of the most mild mannered, empirical people you could ever meet. 
Yeah, people should, should Google Google him on C-SPAN because he's talked about his books on C-SPAN. He, and it's really, wow, this guy's he's an, he's an Obama administration guy. Are you kidding me? He's so would be right. He, empirical. No, he, he was. And he's not a he's not a political zealot at all. And, right. and um, I should say, and I want to, you know, he's. Uh, well, Stephen Coonan was, a, I think he's a theoretical physicist, and he had all of these, uh, he was in engineering, he was in, he's been on every government, blue, blue. I mean, he was one of the most popular people on the left. I mean, uh, you know anybody, that I, I, I'm just saying this because I memorized his CV because I had to read it as part of the adjudication of his appointment. But he, he had a bachelor's from Caltech and a PhD from MIT. And so, I mean, God, when that book came out on, brain. yeah, when it came out on Settled, um, people didn't know what to do. I mean, they yeah. looked at all of his prior record and it was all, I mean, it was just unimpeachable, his wow. record. Well, we've made a lot of really I'm really uh, happy about the Hoover Institution because um, recently we made a lot of very good appointments as senior fellows. And Eugene Volick is another one who's excellent on law. And they're going those two are going to really enrich the Hoover Institution. That's terrific. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, empiricism. Doesn't matter, right, Victor? With the left, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of um, Whitaker Chambers and and Alger Hiss. I mean, all the evidence is where it is, but the left is uh, has to cling to it. So. Yeah, I think I think everybody realizes that now. They're starting to everybody, according to their station, their class, their race. When they look at the border or this insane green policies that were, they they're starting to see that. And the economic, this inflation, it's 25% for staple foods and gasoline, not 16 cumulative since Biden took office. But when they start, he said the other day, one of his biggest lies that I've got inflation down to 3%. That was just a monthly correction. And besides that, that's not, they don't count gas and food in that computation and more importantly it's not cumulative since when he took office just two and a half years ago so he's ruined the middle class but my point is that a lot of people are starting to look at this and they're saying these people don't care about us they really don't and we know they don't care because when a liberal state like hawaii and maui many of them indigenous people lose everything the president says no comment and he he gives a thousand dollars per ukraine and then 750 and then they say well we can do both that was what nikki haley said or or michael pence and that getting back to the debate and i i really was taken by that because of course we can do both 130 billion dollars for ukraine and a 22 trillion economy is nothing or six trillion dollar budget but we don't do both jack we don't i guess it's a matter of time and attention because if we if nikki haley or michael pence said we can support ukraine and do both well then why don't you do both why don't you build a wall along the south why don't you stop the illegal immigration why don't you take the money if you say you can print it 
or you have it and it's not a drain to go to Ukraine, then just go to San Francisco and clean up the homeless problem. Or you know what? Just stop people from being released the same day when they rape and beat up and club somebody. Or stop the Fresno poor little uh, Southeast Asian shopkeeper who has the same gang of gangbangers that come into a store and rob him and then go out and they never do anything to. But because we can't do both. It seems like it. We can only do what they want to do. They want to go into Ukraine. And I understand they hate Putin and we all hate Putin and Russia's a bad guy. I agree. And Ukrainians are brave and we've given them up. It's basically, if you count everything, it's about $120 billion. And that's the drop in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't do the other things. Right. You didn't even go to East Palestine, Mr. Biden. Mm-hmm. And you can't even help those people. So we don't do both things. We only do what you want to do. And then we say, well, what I want to do is not that important. It's not that bad or it's not asymmetrical or it's not a drain because we have the resources to do everything. But then you never do anything other than what you want to do. Yeah. Which is have a son fly with him when he's on the vice presidential plane. Hey, Victor, talking about Biden, (coughs) excuse me, and things he wants to do. One of them is to unleash on us a new vaccine. And we'll get your thoughts on that and more right after these important messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. By the way, Victor, occasionally, uh, I've seen this several times recently. What was that tune we just heard? And that is the Gary Owen. That is the, yes. the tune of the Fighting 69th. Those of you who who have heard it before, are curious what it is, but look it up, the Gary Owen. Sammy, Sammy's got a new song she wants to substitute just for... Did you oh. did you see that great movie with Gary Oldman Tink, and uh, Colin Firth, uh, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy? I have not. No. Well, the theme is Julio Iglesias singing La Mer. That oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great song. Bobby he, Darren and uh, I forget the French guy who. Yeah, who, he he wrote it, but that's the soundtrack of the movie, and the final part is when. All of the traitors. It's based on Kim Philby and all those uh, Cambridge yeah. dons that were Soviet spies and got a lot of people killed. Well, there's four of them in the movie that are crooked and they work for the Soviets. And Gary Oldman, of course, is pushed out. And then John Hurt is the control. He's dies. All the good guys are down and out, accused of being falsely 
as spies. If you, I read the book. I don't like John le Carre particularly, but I like this book. And I, I didn't like the spy who came in the cold. But anyway, the point I'm making is that when they finally get their retribution, they expose them. And, he, and Gary Oldman goes to each one and tells them, you're a traitor and you're going to pay. And then they make Gary Oldman the head of it. And one of them, Colin Firth, is shot by somebody who's screwed. There's a subtext of gayness in the whole thing, too. There's these relationships. But nevertheless, they start playing triumphantly. So the retribution and the revenge and the good guys win uh, La Mer. Yeah. And <laughs> so I was asking Sammy the other day, right when we finished. Yeah. I said, I saw that the other day. And she said, that's my favorite song. And yeah. I said, well, what are we going to do? She goes, I want to put that on there. And I said, well, we have to, have to get permission. Copyright. Yeah. Yeah. She was a French um, PhD student. Well, it does. The French original, when it, it does have that amazing crescendo. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who, who first sang it and made it famous before Bobby Darren made it famous here in America. But, but yeah, Bobby, Bobby Darren did uh, the English version, didn't he? Or did he sing well, in French? I can't remember. No, he did it in, in English. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's from the he's from the Bronx, just like me. God rest his soul. What a great. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, great people are from the Bronx, Victor. Hey, speaking uh, speaking of great people, uh, you're one. Uh, this is the worst segue. <laughs> I got to talk about the Blade of Perseus. That's Victor's official website. And it's the web address is victorhanson.com. And please go check it out because you will find. What will you find there? Oh, links to the, the archives of this podcast, to Victor's books, to his uh, pieces, essays for American greatness, his syndicated columns, and his ultra pieces that he writes exclusively uh, for VictorHanson.com, The Blade of Perseus. There's the current one. He's got Victor occasionally does a, a thing called The Angry Reader. And there's one, Joseph B. Stahl is, is this angry reader who also is an angry writer and Victor takes apart his um, his attack on Victor. There are a few other things. Victor's just started a series. Uh, on. Yeah, that was a weird uh, angry reader. He was the old time. You know, yeah. Old time anti anti-Semite. Semite. Yeah. yeah. The Jews supposedly cooked up World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> God, my God. So I, I, I all, all people say, well, why do you waste your time? Because I like to show people readers the kind of crazy people we have to deal with. We not being me, but them, too, they're right. everywhere. And so it's good to, to see them come out of the Well, world. in a case like this, in their craziness, they, uh, you know, take apart the, the, the venom, et cetera. But they often are presenting the case that the left would would make and you uh, disassemble it. In a, in a beautiful and instructive way. So, but uh, you you can read that if you subscribe. What is that? Subscription is $5 to get in the door, $50 for a full year discounted. So go to victorhanson.com. And Sa Sammy is working on to redo the website too. She's going to update it uh, oh. and redesign it. Super duper. Okay. Yeah, we, we, were, we were overwhelmed by the number of people who signed up for the Ultra. So it needs to be speeded up. But it's yeah. also, it's time to kind of make it more, or I don't know, the optics yeah. better. Yeah, that's so, okay. Well, like like a lot of things. I think, you know, I think that's kind of why she's into 
la mer. That was kind of that. Oh, look at the sea. Look at the the gulls. Look at the how. It's so inspirational. Uh, she's on yeah. a big inspirational kick. Well, there's no La Mer in the Central Valley, so maybe something <laughs> something people in the Fresno metropolitan area dream of. All right, Victor, we promised a little discussion about uh, your thoughts. It shouldn't be a discussion. It's just, I'll present something, and and then you think away. Uh, this is this is a headline from the the Epic Times. Biden quote likely to recommend everyone get new COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, President Joe Biden told reporters Friday, and that would be the 25th of August, that his administration will likely recommend that everyone get a new COVID-19 vaccine. Quote, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to the Congress a request for additional funding for a new vaccine that is necessary, that works, end quote. He said, while taking questions from reporters outside a Pilates facility in South Lake Tahoe, California, uh, quote, and tentatively not decided finally yet, tentatively it is recommended, it is likely to be recommended that everybody get it, no matter whether they got it before. So one other thing, Victor, before we get your thoughts on this, also in the Epoch Times, your friend, uh, Jay Bacheria, who has just been one of the great men in this whole fight uh, comments on this. Uh, here's what he said in this piece. Uh, it's irresponsible to make this kind of public health advice for the entire American public in the absence of excellent randomized trial evidence, which has not been produced by the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, the FDA never asked for them uh, uh, for them to produce them. But Cherry has said, et cetera, et cetera. So, Victor, um, wow. Uh, we, is this like deja vu all over again that we're going to have to go down this road? Yeah, with, uh, absolutely. Another effing thing that, that hurts young women who are pregnant. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, as I said, I mean, this new super vaccination is going to have the respiratory virus, um, the flu virus and the latest Omicron variant all in one big shot. And there's a lot of people, I think, I mean, I was a, of the position before COVID, I was a vaccine, per, vaccine person. I never quite knew a lot of us get bad reactions. About, I've always had bad reactions so, with flu symptoms for a week. And I felt, and a couple of times I went to the doctor after a month, it was always the same thing. Your white blood count went from my, I think mine was 4.5 down to three. And they'd always be really worried. And then it would always come back up a month. And I think it started, I think I was in Greece. I got a yellow fever, typhus, typhoid, plague, uh, all in one. And, and it made me, I was sick for six months. And then I've had too many tetanus boosters. But my point is there's people like that. And... Some of the people have, you know, genetic, minor genetic variants that affect their immune system and their reaction to these things. And so um, this idea that you're going to get all get vaccinated no matter what, you're going to get the flu, you're going to get the shingles, you're going to get the pneumonia. You talk to people in regular day life. I talked to a nurse about five years ago and I said, I haven't seen you in here at the doctor's office. And she said, I got 
the shingles and the pneumonia vaccine, and I was sick for four months. And if you say that to Anthony Fauci, he would just say that's rubbish. And if you say to him that some of these vaccinations cause hyperinflation and they're far more dangerous than the actual COVID to particular age groups or genders. I have a member of my family who got the Pfizer double whammy. And the next thing she knew, she had a ovarian cyst and they said it was a hard one and it would not dissipate. It had, and then it did, which was very rare. And it was one of the persons, I won't mention the university or the, um, the doctor or the affiliation said that they had seen that before. And then no sooner to that, then she had to have be biopsied for a breast cyst as if it was cancer. And one of the persons said off the record, well, we usually don't do mammograms X many days after the Pfizer vaccination because it has a tendency, I guess it's a lipid packing or whatever, to create false positives. Nobody discusses. Then right. we dis then we learn that Operation Warp Speed uh, really didn't test these the way that we should. We uh, we've already talked about on prior podcasts about the manipulate manipulation that Pfizer engaged in to delay the announcement of a successful at that time successful vaccine so that it would be after rather than before the election and Donald Trump would not get credit. The whole Trump presence and association was very strange because a conservative president got these vaccinations, which for, I guess, the first 30 to 90 days after you get it, maybe to 100 days, it, was, it had 90 percent of efficacy. And we were told I went back and looked at that. We were told that that 96 percent efficacy would stay. And I got the second Moderna, I think, in February of 2021 and on September 2nd of that year, which is, you know, it's seven months later, basically, I got sick as a dog with Delta caught COVID. So they were not going to stop you from being infectious. They were not going to stop you from getting infected. They may have, and during the peak of the crisis, mitigated some, but we do not know to the extent of the of the side effects, except they can be very serious, especially with a cardiology problem in young men. But nobody talks about this. Nobody ever said, Anthony Fauci never says, this is the number of school-aged children, K through 12, that got seriously ill from COVID or got long COVID. And this right. is the number of people who got side effects from the vaccination. We still don't have that. There's some European studies, I think, in Sweden and Germany that suggests that the number of people who had effects from the vaccination was larger than the number who either got a serious case of COVID or got a long COVID uh, sequel. But it, it, they're just off the table. And so I, I've had a radical change. Every year I would get a flu vaccination and I get sick for a week from the vaccination, not from the, of course, from the flu virus, but from the stimulation of the abuse. You, you got, excuse me, pre-COVID, you had a very bad reaction. I did. Right? Yeah, I did. I got a flu shot and they gave me the senior flu shot. I asked not to have it. 
And the pharmacy insisted. They said, we're not going to give you one that's not because we need it for we don't give young people the senior, which is four or five times. And I came back and I was ill. I was sick. I had a fever. I, it wouldn't go away. I went to the doctor. As I said, my in this case, my oh, my uh, white blood count went down to three. I'd had a daughter who had a blood disease, cancer. They thought, well, we better check this. So it was a mess. And then I called a physician I know who was very knowledgeable. And he said some things that Fauci would laugh at, Jack. He said, older people, there's been studies, and check this out. I don't want to misinform you, but go online, that white, that flu shots will lower your white blood count for some people. I went online in two seconds. There was a double-blind study. People in the Philippines, I think it was, that got flu vaccinations and their white blood count was, they checked it every week for six months. It was depressed. So when people say, I got the flu shot and I got the flu, they don't. And then the medical establishment says, oh, the virus is dead or it's weak and it couldn't do that. They don't mean that. What they meant is it lowers your white blood count. So then you're going to go out and say, I got a flu shot and might be exposed and be more have greater propensity to get a virus. And so the next thing he said was, it was very interesting what he said. He said, get your blood count tested in the afternoon, not the morning. And I thought, that that's crazy. And I looked up, yes. And then he said, you know, I'm just, it's like cholesterol. You, This is counter, eat some food, get it in the afternoon. So I, I did three months later, Hadn't changed. I finally got over the after effects. I went in at two o'clock. I ate a hamburger and my white blood count was suddenly 4.5 normal. And so we, the public knows that it has the effect. And I'm not going to try to suggest to anybody listening, you not get flu shots because the flu can kill you. I'm just saying that some people get bad effects from it. And some people feel that if it's on average 50 to 60 percent, effective in stopping you from getting the flu or mitigating the severity of the flu and you have a propensity to react really bad to flu shots or your immune system goes haywire then it's something you should decide rather than listen to dr fauci but he doesn't and you kept a divorce divorce dr fauci and I, i just use him as iconic because after all jack he said he was the science remember I know. Yeah. I am. The, I am the science. That's why they hate me. So if you're the science, then we can use you as a. Right. I guess the Greeks had a word metonymy. It means one person, one segment represents the whole. You know, and um, so anyway, when he when he gives these proclamations, then we expect him to be right. But when he's wrong about the Wuhan lab or he lies about gain of function virus research, or he doesn't tell us that he routes 600,000 through his pal, Peter Daszak at Echo Health to do research, gain of function, officially not gain of function, uh, research under the auspices of the People's Liberation Army in Wuhan. Uh, which is outlawed, by the way, at the time he did that in the United States, or he says one mask doesn't do any good, but one mask does do good, but two is even better. Or he talks, he gave us the lockdown, which we know now caused not only greater deaths uh, 
excess deaths per year, as we know from the European evidence, than COVID. But psychologically, oh my gosh, uh, my God. There's so many walking wounded in America today from that. I just don't think we'd have the whole woke thing. I don't think that that explosion after George Floyd and the, the whole polarization in our society was putting 330 million people proverbially on ice without social right. interaction and letting them, scaring them to death about COVID and not telling them the truth and missing their cancer appointments and missing their right. surgeries and missing their annual checkups and increased suicide and increased spousal abuse and increased child abuse, etc., and economic devastation for small business. I think we'll, we're, and we, we have a, some really good people at Hoover that have studied the effects on children of missing 18 months of school in California, two years. And they've come up with the idea you don't really catch up until you're an adult. I mean, not, it takes years when right. you miss that type of education. And then you develop other bad habits by not being acculturated to school. So it was just a disaster all around. And uh, now they're going to repeat the whole thing. The sad thing about it is if we get this new Omicron that's starting to spread, I just talked to two people who had it, and you get a bad, they'll do the same thing again. They'll do the same thing again. I will not be able to go to my campus unless I'm vaccinated with a special new super duper, tough, heavy duty booster. And we'll go into a lockdown where they trace your you set foot in the Stanford campus without permission, and they will find you because of your ping on your cell phone. And then they will email you immediately that you have 24 hours to take a COVID test and not to do this. You didn't ask permission to go to your office, that kind of stuff. It's going to come back. There's no doubt about it. And well, there's some people have been salivating for it and, or, and despondent that it ever went away, right, of a uh, uh, bureaucratic it class. It was, I, I mentioned, I think, to Sammy, I mean, I have a disabled granddaughter with a very serious genetic defect called Smith McGinnis. It's a terrible thing. And I really admire the people who are working on it. And the mom, it's, moms are taking an activist role in trying to bring awareness. It's, it's a missing gene. And uh, it's I think it's more severe than Downs. But when my granddaughter and my daughter were walking in Santa Cruz, think about this with a young child that goes into meltdowns with stimuli. So bright lights, sudden movement, people she doesn't know approaching quickly or loud sound. When I mean meltdowns in this particular syndrome, she will just collapse on the ground, start kicking her feet in the air, putting her hands over her ears, grimacing and screaming at the top of her voice. So she can't even have a mask on. Right. They they were trying to teach her because she had to in her special needs class, which was caused a lot of permanent damage, I think. But anyway, she was walking and our proverbial Karen, I know you're not supposed to use that term for your affluent white female anal retentive neurotic, but we stare. Go ahead. But I will use it. This yes. woman runs out of her house and sees and starts yelling at her and saying that she's going to report my daughter to the police because she's walking on a sidewalk, rural sidewalk. It's kind of they live on the edge of town and she must be 200 yards away from this person who's looking out the window and she's 
that that's the kind of craziness we have. Yeah. And how many people did you see that were driving cars on their freeway? I still see them, Jack. I do too. Yeah. By themselves. What was that idea? With the car's filtration system is inadequate. They're going 80 miles down the 99 freeway by themselves, and they're going to suck in some Vira from somebody who, what, sneezed on an overpass or something. Yeah. Just insane. And See, that's what it, we did. Yeah, it's either they're, they've become so uh, turned paranoid, or it, I would think for many of them, it's like a religious habit you know like the habit of none would wear it's it's i i you know i went out immediately because i had to and i also believe that public health you don't want to infect people so i got the vaccination and i thought it worked but actually it didn't work because i didn't go anywhere i was stuck out here in the middle of the country and so we just saw people delivering stuff once in a while i i went on an airplane but there was nobody on an airplane i can remember going to the dallas airport can you believe it and i was about to, i felt like i was the only person there so then i came up with the idea if you're going to speak or you're going to go do stuff you can it's a good time because nobody's on the plane and nobody's at the airport but my point is so i got vaccinated but i still got it and then i was told that after I got it, I had no immunity from getting it. I had to go get another shot. And I thought, well, that's the first virus, because they always told us when you got the flu, it's very rare you get the flu the same year, because it gives immunity from that particular strain that's predominant. And so what I, the science, Mr. The Science, all of a sudden discounted one of the principles of immunology. And epidemiology, and that was acquired immunity, right? And so now we learn what was all over that people who got COVID had some immunity, and that immunity may have been more multifaceted and right. as long or longer than artificially mRNA induced vaccination. It wasn't really a vaccination either, in the sense when you read about the Moderna and Pfizer, it was kind of like genetic engineering by. You know what I mean? Mass producing right. these spike proteins and sending them everywhere. And they tended to collect in the brain and the lungs and the gut. And uh, that's and then because of that concentration, they elicited a hyper re immune response in your heart or your brain fog or gastrointestinal problem. And then, of course, uh, not everybody that has long COVID got it from long COVID. There are people who claim that they still haven't recovered from the spike protein vaccination. I don't know if that's true. I'm not dispensing medical information. I'm just as a, a public observer that I right. don't I don't think the country wants to go back to mandatory vaccinations and mandatory lockdowns and mandatory mass wearing. I just don't think it's. It's, it's, it's mandatory social distancing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at predicting anything, Victor. But I think that that could trigger an epic cultural battle. Uh, I, mean, I can just I remember. I I just walked down my little town. I would walk down the downtown, and I'd see the flower shop closed. I'd see the little drugstore closed. I'd see the gift shop closed. I'd see the little family-owned shoe store closed. I get in my car, I drive to Walmart, and then I'd see flowers for sale. I would see shoes for sale. 
I would see gifts for sale. I would see more people than they've ever had at Walmart because it was the only place in town. And there was four or 500 people inside there breathing the same air, packed like sardines. And that was okay. And why that was okay, I don't understand it. And all these mom and pop places were shut down where you go in there, you're one person by yourself for 20 minutes. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why Gavin Newsom was eating at the French Laundry or Nancy Pelosi was sneaking around like some cat burglar at night going in to get her hair done without a mask. Or London Breed, the mayor, had to go up to this five-star uh, French Laundry in Napa without a mask, without quarantine. Why they gave us those. Remember uh, Lori Lightfoot? She oh, was, sure. She was giving us, she dressed up in costumes and stuff, kind of yeah. uh, about, and then we found out she was going to get her hair done. And she said, I'm a mayor and I have to be presentable. Yeah. And everybody could say, I'm a surgeon. I'm a mechanic. I, I have to be presentable. But it's only you who get exempted. Right. So. Nothing. No, I, no I, I can't, I, I'm sorry if I get emotional, but I watched day by day. I should say that day by day, week by week, month by month, one of the great universities in the world, Stanford University, its medical faculty and its faculty go out and demonize, ostracize, cancel culture, Scott Atlas and Jay Bacharya. Bacharya. I just saw it happen. And John Yanidi. And their crime was being prescient. They were the Nostradamus of our time. Yeah. They all said, if you guys want to do this, okay, but we're going to warn you, if you do, the mask is not going to mitigate the epidemic. And the social quarantine is not going to mitigate the epidemic. And the social distancing is not going to mitigate it. And even the vaccinations may be only temporary. And there is such a thing called herd immunity. And this thing will probably end when 90% of the population have either been vaccinated or have herd immunity from a prior infection. And everything they said was true. Right. And yet they wanted to fire Scott Atlas. They want to take his medical license. They wouldn't speak to him. And the same with Jay. And now they were right. And all the right. users were wrong. The faculty senate was wrong. The provost was wrong. The president of the university that attacked them was wrong, who's now been fired, by the way, or forced to resign or, quote, unquote, voluntarily resigned for accusations. He doctored a scientific paper. So my point is this. That there's never apologies. It's like M and, the Mueller. Right. Right. Never. Right. Never. Right. Or, or never. like, uh, you know, Afghanistan withdrawal. Who's ever apologized? Uh, what, what leading military man? So, yeah, we. we oh, it's we, worse than that. So when we've talked about that, but when Joe Biden met the grieving parents of the 13 who were killed and blown up. Right. It wasn't that he didn't apologize for his plan of the skedaddle just so we and i think the skedaddle remember was time for a 20th year anniversary so he could gain credit on 9-11 that i'm joe biden and i got everybody out of afghanistan after 20 years no he got people blown up and then when he met them he lied and said his own son came on a coffin from a combat in iraq yeah, oh, while he was uh, checking his watch <laughs> callously. To see I can't it. believe anybody would take the death of a child and then lie about it in front of people who had actually uh, had 
children killed violently in combat and then claim that you had the same expense. It's very analogous to going to Hawaii when you may have anywhere from, I don't know, 200 now to up to a thousand dead. We don't know because of the missing and complete lives wiped out and then say, hey, I had a kitchen fire and I almost lost my vet and my cat. And <laughs> and I know how you're suffering. It's always about that's another thing, you know, about Joe Biden, everybody. Good old Joe from Biden. I've said this ad nauseum. He before he was senile, he was one of the cruelest, meanest. Uh, and antagonistic, foul mouth, creepy politicians we've seen. I mean, creepy in the sense of hugging too long. Kissing too long, blowing hair too long, just like we see him. He was not a nice guy. And so what he said in Hawaii, no comment. And then he went over. That's what he always does. And you've, as I said, we've talked numerous times about blaming a poor truck driver for the death of his wife, which who was completely not culpable and other things he said and done. And yet we still have this. I'm just Joe Biden from Scranton. It's what's really amazing. Yeah, on on those um, Gold Star families, Victor. There's a uh, piece out. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah, today. Actually, today when recording on the 27th of August, Sunday the 27th. This is the Daily Mail exclusive. Here's the headline: Biden has ignored us. Gold Star families of 13 Americans killed in Kabul suicide blast demand president meet them and admit flaws in catastrophic withdrawal that led to their needless murder two years ago. And the story goes on to talk about, how, you know, we have tried for the last two years to get the attention of the White House, to get them to uh, to meet with us um, and, of course, to get them to admit they effed up here, none of which is, has happened or is, I believe is going to happen. And can you imagine if they did? Meet with the with the president again as the thirteen families. God only knows what cluster f he'd pull at that um, event in their presence. So, um, well, it's uh, just ongoing indifference. I think somebody's going to finally. Craziness. I think somebody's going to conclude at some time that this president, and I'm, I didn't vote for him, so I'm prejudice, I suppose, but compare him to Barack Obama, whom I thought did a lot of damage, and compare him to Bill Clinton, whom I thought did a lot of damage. And this guy takes the cake because he is abjectly crooked. He's taken money from foreign governments and altered the foreign policy accordingly. And he is implemented an agenda on the border, on crime, on energy, on foreign policy that is so radical that it's going to, it's done on the economy, especially with high interest rates now, inflation, etc. that we're going to, it's going to take a long time, if ever, to recover from him. And he, he's also the first president that is, I guess, you could say since Franklin Roosevelt, oh, February, March of 1945, or right. Woodrow Wilson for much of 1919, is completely incapable of handling the job physically or cognitively. Yeah. And given that record, 
there's a 50-50 chance that he can finish the term, run for re-election from his basement, and get elected and maybe survive in the second term for a year or two before he hands the baton to Kamala Harris. 50 percent. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I hope I, not. But I, I agree with you. I hope not. But I think it's the people who think and, that this guy could not be president in 2026, 20, January. They're, they're, they're mistaken. He and I, 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 as I said to our listeners, I try to read things that the left says and, and listen to them on television. And they, they say some of the things that are uh, I was listening to about two weeks ago. A guy was on TV. I won't mention his name. And he said, because I know him personally. And he said, there's no there's no, never been a more dynamic president than Joe Biden. Can you imagine at 80 what he's doing? Reagan couldn't do this. My God, he's got a whirlwind. I thought, you're just lying. He's he doesn't work a 40-hour week. He he gets up at 10, he quits at two, three or four days a week at most. He's at his vacation home most weekends. He's missed more days of work than any president. He's fallen on Air Force One steps. He's fallen off a bicycle. He's fallen on the stage. He's slurred his words. He makes up stories. He's lied about his autobiography. He doesn't know where he is sometimes. They have to have little arrows on the tape to show him where to walk. He's embarrassed ourselves with King Charles. He's embarrassed ourselves with dignitary, dignitaries from Mexico, South Korea, Japan. We had to have that creepy Obador Mexican president guide Joe down the steps. Yeah. And how can you save the most vigorous president and so impressive? It just, it's just mind boggling. And so when they do that and then they put him in the basement and say that this is a state of the art campaign where he reaches more people. You remember when he was campaigning, he went out and sat in a car. And there were cars like at a movie a drive in movie theater. And those were. And so when he spoke, they honked their horn and said a clap. And that day, I think, or the day before, Trump had 40,000 people in an open air rally. Right. And he was speaking to maybe 75 20. cars. <laughs> and everybody said, there's no way this guy can win. And I thought, there's a reason he's doing this. Yeah. And he, he can win. Yeah. Gosh. Well, Victor, we have time really just to get a little quickie in at the end. And we'll do that right after uh, this final important message. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, making a quick 
a suggestion to our listeners to visit civilthoughts.com, one word, civilthoughts.com. Sign up there for the free weekly email newsletter I, Jack Fowler, write for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil, where we're trying to strengthen civil society. And in that, uh, once a week, you'll get 12, 13, 14 recommended readings that I've come across the previous week and interesting uh, uh, websites, magazines, etc. So I'll give you the link. And I give you an excerpt, and it's just out of the kindness of my my heart. There's nothing transactional going on here, no risk. So, Sybil, thoughts? I think you will uh, enjoy it. Victor, I'm going to read a a um, read a, a reader comment or a listener comment, and then maybe we can get your thoughts about one final thing that you've written at uh, the Blade of Perseus. So, here's a comment from Craig Brookins. Uh, and he writes, um, uh, thanks, Victor, for letting us see how childhood experiences on a family farm can formulate profound world views. Your passage, quote, what I do remember about those days of spying on weasels and letting them letting me spy on them uh, was to listen, to observe, to discover another alien world that has a logic of its own. And I learn about capricious fate and how entire worlds disappear that are unknowingly dependent upon the whims of others, end quote, demonstrates this. I find your observation sad in a way you as a child learned what the present political landscape now exploits. That's Craig Brookins, who left that comment uh, on uh, the Blade of Perseus. So he's referring to, um, and listeners should know this, Victor wrote a three-part series about the life on the farm as a young boy and coming across, um, a, I'll call him a clutch. I don't know what weasels come in, Victor. I'll call him a clutch of weasels. Weasels were not to be found on your property, uh, your family farm before or since. And uh, this was a, a marvelous and intriguing thing to you. And you wrote, a, this is just a wonderful three-part series. So maybe you can talk about this a little bit before we we say adios to our, our good listeners. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was a little boy. Uh, some weasels came in. We didn't. I'd never seen it. I had been reading um, uh, "The Wind in the Willows" and about stoats and weasels and uh, various creatures from the English countryside. And weasels were bad. They were the evil guys that were after toad and mole and rat and badger. And I didn't know what a stoat was. But one day, Matt, we had two guys that kind of were full-time employees on this little 135 and they lived here manuel george and joe carey one was a native uh cherokee native american 100 percent. the other guy was half mexican american and from the azores um portuguese and they were pretty tough customers and they taught us how to when we were kids we were free-ranged or outsourced so when we went around the ranch and played or who had to work we always bumped into them and I, they had told us that some weasels took up. And so I, I would go there. I'd never see them. But then in these stories, I'm, I finally found them. And I would go there and hide under the vines uh, or in the berm of the vineyard and look at these things for hours. And they were these little tiny thin things with little paws. And, and then 
Manuel and Joe would tell me, you know, there's no squirrels there anymore. They've gotten rid of all the squirrels that are ruining our irrigation. So they like them. And my grandfather, he would never say much. He said, well, I don't, there may or may not be weasels. I think what he was trying to tell me there are weasels because I'm not going to disturb them. And I like the idea of them. And then I had a really wonderful, my mother's sister was crippled since the age of seven and the polio epidemic of the early 20s. She went swimming in the summer one and got it. And she, I mean, I'm talking about couldn't hardly move. It was one of the most severe cases. She went to the, the Shriners Hospital. They did 18 operations of breaking her bones. She came out worse. And she lived her whole 63 years in the living room of this house I live. But she was a genius. She was she went to college. Uh, she read everything and she, she had a little command center from her bed where and before Amazon, they would deliver packages. She had mail or catalog. She'd read books. And she would, she, when I told her about weasels, of course, she got access to Encyclopedia Britannica and the house. She knew everything. And so every day I'd ride my bike and she called it the wheel. Are you going to come down on the wheel today after school? I was like 10, 9. And she goes, you got to go see the weasels. This is their diet, Victor. This is And, and then one day they were gone. And they were completely gone. And the neighbor, I won't mention his name, um, he decided that he wanted to flatten out his vineyard. So for your, I can say understand. So he just took a huge scraper, land mover, soil mover, and just pushed, you know, knocked off the high spots and pushed it all the way to the end of the row. Well, the end of the row was the boundary line between us and then it would it dropped down 20 feet into this kind of old pond which was ours where there was an orchard and then in that bank were all the weasels they had taken it over and he just took maybe a hundred tons of dirt and just buried them and one day i went over there and it was gone and so all these tough guys that were telling me you know ah there's some weasels they said hey victor there's there's no weasels no more. Go look. So I went over there and I said, there's nothing anymore. So I told my grandfather, he said, yes, the weasels are gone. And, and it was really a moving experience. And I had to go tell my aunt because she couldn't go. You know, she lived a quarter mile away. There's no more weasels. And she goes, but I know all about weasels. They'll come back. I said, I don't know. And I said to my grandfather, well, they're going to come back. And he said, no, they're buried under dirt. We've never seen a weasel. We don't know how they got here. They're not supposed to be here. Right. I don't know who got them or how they got it. We'll never see another one the rest of our lives. And I never have since. It was the weirdest thing in the world. It was like a moment of these busy, there's like four or five of them, and they would jump out of the hole and they would look around. It was amazing. Yeah. And it was yeah. really wonderful for me. And then to realize that all these people that had no emotion were heavily invested in their <laughs> lives into making sure that there was a weasel sanctuary. And apparently it was because of us. They wanted their grand my, my grandfather wanted me to enjoy what I was enjoying and his daughter who really had not much to be happy about given her state was right. delighted about it and every and the hired men were in on it and then it was just bam. And later when I started farming I went to the neighbor and I said you pushed that whole thing, you know, 20 years ago. You pushed that whole mountain on your place and you just went over the property line and buried it. And he said, 
yeah, well, so what? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, you crushed all those weasels. He said, yeah, I remember those weasels. Yeah, well, so what? <laughs> well, he's, he's uh, that's all he could say is, so what? Yeah. And it has to be marvelous to be a 10 year old boy. And, it was one of the best. Fast. I was, I was so lucky. I was one of the luckiest kids in the world. I had, two wonderful grandparents and my parents and the hired men. And that was an age 1962, 61 to 64 before the whole Vietnam hippie cultural revolution. But, you know, coming out of the 50, it was really a wonderful time. It was very safe. Yeah. Imagine letting a nine-year-old just run around 130 acres by himself. My gosh, you'd be arrested now. Child, child protective services oh, yeah. would be would be then, some then, Karen would call. And, I know it. It was just yeah. amazing. Amazing. I learned so much about nature and people and yeah and people who were poor and everything. Well, they're beautiful stories, Victor. Uh, this uh, series, and you've written a number of other ones. And if you, uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to push push subscriptions to to the Blade of Perseus, but uh, those who have have not subscribed, well, I, I, should... yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, uh, yeah. I hope that I'm going to try to continue them. I try to actually. There's a logic to the ultra pieces where one week I try to do political analysis that. Of things I haven't discussed on the regular columns I write. And then the right. next week I try to do cultural. So I have a whole series story. I think there's three of them on who destroyed San Francisco. Yeah. What a Boy. beautiful legacy we had and how the wonderful inheritance from prior generations and how this ignorant, arrogant, idiotic generation destroyed it. Yeah. And then I try city. to do the, the third cycle is about animals and people I've met on the farm and and just a different from the usual suburban urban yeah majority experience well from the comments that we read on your website or on apple and itunes and thanks to all who do that who leave comments and who rate the show on itunes um there is a great passion for for these uh stories i think we're going to try to we're going to assemble them i have a, a very good uh, assistant, a person that works for me at the Hoover Institution, Morgan Hunter, and she's does a lot of really important things along with David Berkey. And um, she's assembling all of these. And you know what she's doing, Jack? She's when we've talked with Sammy about ag, she's taken transcriptions of them and we're and she's editing it. So we're going to have a book come out about uh, wisdom from rural America. Or yeah. So, oh, I can't wait for that. It's got to be uh, just, I know you and Sammy did the plums, you know, uh, a couple months back about plum farming. I'll call it farming. And it was totally fascinating and, uh, and, and actually adventurous given what you had to go through, right? And, and the losses and the pain and the expectations, just real, real wonderful stuff, Victor. So, all right. Well, my friend, it's been great. It's an honor to be in this position. I'm sure Sammy feels the same way to get to engage with you and and elicit these great thoughts from you. And I appreciate it immensely. I don't take it. Uh, I, t- I take it seriously. I don't take it for granted. And I, I know the position I'm in here and I appreciate it immensely. So thank you, Victor, for allowing me to do this. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Thanks, Victor, for the wisdom you shared today. And we will be back in September. 
which is in a few yes, days. Yes, September's coming up. I'm yeah. looking at 70 years, Jack. Wow. I think they'll they'll probably be a party for you up at Hillsdale. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, 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 I always enjoy Hillsdale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll, I'm sure it's a wonderful, co- wonderful college, wonderful yeah. people. Yeah, okay, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.